All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Tell me something I didn't need to know. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. Yes, and who are you today? Barbie. Today, I am, um, I'm Lynn Samuels. I got nothing. Sorry, I tried, but just nothing came to me. You tried, you didn't try very hard. I'm Mary Sports. I'm, I'm Hannah Green. I'm Pippi Longstocking. Ooh, I like it. Do you ride a horse through your house backwards? I do, and he sleeps in my bathtub, and I have braids that stick way out. I love it. And you have a monkey. I had a monkey, but he threw too much shit at me, and to be honest, I really didn't care for it, and uh, he had to go. Lynn can only take but, so much shit before she kicks you out. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Don't be throwing shit at me. I'll, I'll give you one or two times, but after that, I'm like, see ya. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, he, he is uh, currently grinding some organ on a street corner, making some money. Grinding an organ for somebody. <laughs> Maybe he's grinding an organ for a horse. Hey, Lynn. Yes. So what's going on with your eggs? We've never gotten an update. Oh, oh my eggs. Uh, egg one and two never happened. Um, I candled them and I can see through them and I don't think you could see through it if there was a chicken there So I feel like they were Non-fertilized eggs, so I got rid of them Four could have hatched Sunday So um, It's in the window. So uh, I'm gonna give it a couple more days But I read a thing that said like a lady said that she keeps her eggs for like 10 days because it's possible so egg Four. Three I can see through, four I couldn't, so I think four might be a fertile egg, so I'm leaving it right now. And I researched it, and it said that, like, when the chicks hatch, you shouldn't take them from the other eggs, because people are like, well, maybe it'll smash the other eggs. It won't. But they said the sound of the peeping encourages eggs to hatch, and since I don't have a hatched chick, I've been playing chick peeping sounds for my eggs. Why am I not surprised? Not fucking surprised. Not and you would think I'd be, I'd be like, you'd be like, okay. But see, I keep getting eggs every so often because the person, my neighbor, her chick lays eggs, but it's not sitting on them. It's still not sitting on them. So this morning, the neighbor's daughter brought me another egg. So I have 19 more days before that one might happen. <laughs> my friend process. is like, why don't you tell her to stop and get a broody nest or whatever she needs to do? And I'm like, because I don't know. So, so yeah, so I am still getting eggs. So I'm still going to be turning them every three days for another three weeks. How many eggs does your little thing hold? It'll hold, like, it could hold up to, like, 50 eggs. Really oh, my God. Oh, okay, eggs, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. About it, what do these eggs look like? It's days for each egg, or maybe 28 if I give it an extra time. But as I candle them and can't see them, so so egg one and 
two are now gone. Egg three is probably going to be gone. So I have eggs four through 10. So I'm, I still only have about six eggs, but. So what do these eggs look like? They're tiny. They are tiny. So they are, I would say width wise, think of a smaller than a golf ball. Is a ping pong ball smaller than a golf ball? Yeah. Yes. So think, think of ping pong, but egg, eggs, egg shaped. Okay. So smaller than like a regular egg. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe half to a third. Of and, a regular and what color egg. are they? They're going to be tiny, tiny, tiny little babies. And, and what color are they? They're, they're egg colored and they have a few speckles on them. So they're not a fun color blue or brown or anything. They're just kind of the beigey egg color. Oh, okay. All right. We just wondered. The off white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're not an exciting egg other than the fact that they might hatch into a interesting chick, which then I had to read and was like, what do I do with them? Because chicks need more oxygen than an egg. So how do I get it more oxygen? And then after it's in there for 24 hours, I have to move it out and put it into a green thing, which is basically a box with a heating lamp on it. And then they, they eat their egg yolk. They eat the egg stuff itself and that's their first nutrient. So you let them do that. And then they need water. And if they don't drink water on their own, you have to help them drink the water, but they don't need to eat for 24 hours. But so we'll okay. see. I still am not a, I'm still not a chick mom. I'm an egg mom. So maybe next week I'll have something to report or two okay. weeks. We'll give it a couple weeks. So. Okay. All right. So yeah, thanks okay. for asking. Someday I will have a chick. Well, what are we the luckiest egg mom in the universe, and I will never have a chick. What are we drinking today, ladies? We are drinking a blackberry mojito. So, you've probably heard of mojitos. They are the mint lime drink. They are amazing and yummy. And if you haven't had one and you like rum, mint, lime, they're awesome. And you don't have to use simple syrup. I use Sprite for a little effervescent sugariness. And uh, if you like muddled fruit, you just, when you muddle the lime, you muddle a little fruit. So we muddled the little blackberries, made a mojito, and it is like we're in Cuba or South Florida drinking a lovely drink. All right. All right. It's very... And who was a famous author? There was a famous author who lived in Florida, and he drank a lot, but he loved mojitos. It was... Who was it? No, it's the guy we saw the picture of in the restaurant. It is uh, Hemingway. Hemingway was a big mojito drinker. We've actually discussed Hemingway on this podcast before. And his... Did you know that he loved mojitos? No, but he loved cats. Yes. Yes, he would pet his cat and drink his mojito. Uh, he didn't have a cat. He has a whole house of cats. And now his former home is a cat sanctuary. We did a whole thing about it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, and I googled it, and it says, uh, according to myth, Ernest Hemingway's favorite drink was the mojito. So I don't know why they say myth. Well, maybe there's no written documentation to prove it. Yeah, but yeah, mojitos. It's it's some uh, rum or gin. It's mint and uh, lime and simple syrup or 
like I said, instead of simple syrup, just use some Sprite, and then it's a little fizz. All right. I have a word of the day for you. <gasps> I'm excited for your word of the day. Okay. You ready for this? Cruciverbal. Give me a second. I'm bracing myself. All right, ready. Okay. Our word of the day today is yeah. cruciverbalist. Spell it. C-R-U-C-I-V-E-R-B-A-L-I-S-T. Cruciverbalist. C C R U C I V E R B A L I S T. It's a person. It is a person. Good job. Yep. It's a person who does something. So it's a they person who is a crucifer. Oh, it's a oh, it's a person who hangs the person on the crucible. The cruciface. Cruci it's a hanger of, of Jesus. It's the people who <laughs> put Jesus on the crucifix. That's a very specific job. I hang people on, on crucifixes. No, no, I'm sorry. You are does incorrect. Anything to do with crosses. No, it does not. Okay, all right, okay. This is the person who, you guys didn't know this was a job. <laughs> we didn't know there were a lot of jobs out there, like the horse ejaculator. You know when you go into a Catholic church and there's that little water thing with a sponge and you dip your hands yeah. in there and you do the... Yeah, yes, oh, it's yeah, the somebody has to clean that. That's that person. No. It they is. They taste the holy water to make sure it's it's, <laughs> it's clean. <laughs> it's holy enough. Uh this water was not blessed quite enough. It's it's not safe for it's not as it, this water is not safe for our parishioners. This water is too blessed. You overblessed this water. You were a little heavy on the blessing. <laughs> yes. No, ladies, you are incorrect. Does it have to do with science? It does and not. No, it does oh, not. Is it in a sentence? Can we phone a friend? Those of us who have one? Um, I'm trying to think of how to use it in a sentence. Dad was a much more skilled cruciverbalist than I am, although I am a joyful cruciverbalist. Who is better? Dad was a much more skilled cruciverbalist than I am. I, however, am a joyful cruciverbalist. Oh, singer! No, no, that's not true. That was backwards. That's <laughs> Hey, listen, I was very joyful when I found that fucking thing apart. 
Wow, that was a little hostility. Oh, no. When I got that thing apart, I could have gone out and done like a joy dance naked in my front yard. I was so happy. I would have. Okay, really, Johanna. Why, naked, you guys? why do you need to naked dance? Johanna drinks. It's a drinker. Dad was a skilled drinker, but I'm a joyful drinker? Yes. No. There you go. I, yeah, like that, I will say that is factual. However, that is not what cruciverbalist means. Would you like me to tell you, ladies? Yeah, I'm getting nothing from the word. Cruciverbalist is a person who enjoys or is skilled at solving crossword puzzles. I didn't know Dad did crossword puzzles. I didn't know either. Yeah. Yep. He used to do the ones in the paper. I have never heard you joyfully solve a crossword puzzle. I like to jo- I like Me crossword. Either. Here's the thing. I love crossword puzzles, but I'm just not good at them. Mm-hmm. So then I like fill in all the ones I know, and then I just make up words yep. to fill in the rest of them. Yep. That sound good. <coughs> all right. You're- and you're joyful about it? Yeah, because it brings me great joy to fill the words in, even though I know they're wrong. Makes it look like she finished the puzzle. It's a, I find a great amusement in it. Nobody ever checks that okay. shit. All right, I have learned something new. I Just like probably everybody on the show, if you didn't know that. so Johanna cheats. Johanna does crossword puzzles joyfully. Here's the thing. It's not cheating if you're not competing against anybody. Okay. Teradiddle. <laughs> we're not going That's there. That's what he said. That's we're not. Yeah. Well, a terrapin, I believe, is a uh, a terrapin. I think is the generic name for a um, like a tortoise or a turtle. Yes. So a teradiddle. A teradiddle don't is go a- there. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't start guessing jobs, Lynn. is what happens when you want to mate two turtles. A turtle pedophile. And you don't have an artificial vagina. <laughs> you have no clue what I'm talking about, you guys will have to listen to our other podcast, the Labor Day Special. Listen to the horse job. Oh, <laughs> it's a whopper of a tail. Yep. Actually, I think Tara has to do with land. I think Tara's earth or land. So T-A-R-A-D-I-D-D-L-E. You're thinking of the T-R-E-T-A. Diddle. So to diddle is to masturbate. Terra is land. It's when you lay on the ground and masturbate. (laughs) I'm just using the words I know. It's not me being bad. I'm not a bad person. It's okay because I I just want you to know. I just want you to know that I... I am abstaining from offering a guest because the only guest that's in my mouth right now is 
not kind at all. No, I want to hear. I was going to say. Here I was going to say. Dad did not tear a diddle. And Johanna <laughs> did not tear a diddle joyfully. She was not. She's not a joyful tear a diddler. Who is it? Johanna. <laughs> all right. Mary, using a sentence because obviously. Didn't I, I just do that? All right, so Dad was not a skillful taradiddler, and I am not a joyful taradiddler. Nope. It could be so many things. You're right. Um, I don't even know how to use it in a sentence. Okay, hold on. Let's see. What was Dad not skilled at? I'm sure there's a ton of things singing, but you joyfully sing. Yes, so. I do. What else didn't dad do well? Marriage. Dad was not very tactful with uh, telling people uh, when they made mistakes. Yes, but I'm not a joyful Tara Diddler. Ah, uh, that's true. I think it depends on the circumstances. If that were the definition. I just want you to know I'm not into chicks. Oh, oh. Is it somebody who's like a farmer who works with the earth? No. Who does something with the ground? It uh, has nothing to do with the ground. Lynn, Tara oh. is in the ground is T-E-R-R-A. This is T-A-R-A. Yeah. T-A-R-A. I'm sorry. I wrote T-E. Tara. Oh, well. I don't know. All right. Let's see. I got I do most things joyfully, so I'm, 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 I am yeah. not a joyful dishwasher. Ooh. Um, Mary, how about me? Am I a good teradiddler, a bad teradiddler, a joyful teradiddler, or do you not know about my teradiddling? Lynn teradiddles. Do you teradiddle? Not to my knowledge, but Lynn, Lynn teradiddles. I think she does oh, it frequently. What do I do that Mary doesn't do? Ooh, I do it joyfully and you do it frequently, Lynn. I didn't say you did it joyfully. Oh, I do not do it joyfully. You do it frequently. Dad did not do it skillfully and Mary doesn't do it. Do I do it skillfully when I do it frequently? Nope, because you laugh. Lie. Oh, lie. Lie. Very good. <laughs> uh, that would be correct. I am not a joyful Tara Diddler. Frequently, it's more of an exaggeration. And Dad, and yes, Lynn, yes, you tend to tell us bullshit stories and expect us to swallow them as you try to keep a straight face and you fail. Okay. All right. Maybe. Fair. Diddler. All right, along that, I have snout fair. That was like the word so snout easy. And the word so fair, F A I R, snout fair. They hold that every oh. July. F A I R, snout fair, huh? They hold it every July. Snout. Oh, it's like it's the it's the auction at the 4-H fair. Where they just judge you on your snouts. Just no, the no, snout. the auction. It's where they um. They auction the snout they, off. They auction off the pigs. No, just the snout. That's mm. why it's called a snout fair. Mm. Yeah, just the snout. 
That seems a little cruel. It's not my fair. I didn't start it. I didn't create it, and I don't go to it. Hmm. Hmm. Snout fair. Maybe it's a pig beauty contest. Well, can you use that in a sentence, please, ma'am? I can. Okay. I can. Although that snout fair was a lot of fun, marrying him was the biggest mistake of my life. Ooh, a snout fair. Drunken orgy? You married the drunken orgy? Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit, Mary. Well. <laughs> you got some, you got some splaining to do, girl. Only to my husband. <laughs> wow. Um, Lynn has rubbed off on me. That's all I can say. <laughs> Lynn! At least I didn't rub you. <laughs> okay, so. Yes. He was a lot of fun, but marrying him was the biggest mistake. One night stand. No, because if he was a one night stand, you wouldn't have married him. Hmm. Hmm. Depends how drunk you were. He is a, I know what it is. Okay. It's a rodeo cowboy. It could be. That's pretty specific, though. He was a lot of fun, but marrying him was a mistake. Because he could keep his chaps on. Because he kept trying to wrangle me with a rope. Because eight Although seconds and he was done. He's <laughs> 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 only good for twelve seconds. That was uh, that was a good one. <laughs> That was the last one. That was good. All right, a snout fair. It's a person who is good looking but lacks scruples. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't marry them. Mm. Nope. No, don't. It's a nope. bad idea. Probably shouldn't even date them, actually. I would agree. All right. Mary, do you have a tidbit for okay. us or two? Yeah. Okay. All right. Carthy who hid inside a giant teddy bear, has been jailed for nine months. What does a car thief and a giant teddy bear have to do with each other? Well, let me connect these dots. Okay. Joshua Dobson, who's 18, was wanted by police for stealing a car and for not paying for fuel. He went to the gas station, filled filled the stolen car up, and then drove off without paying for his gas. Well, was it his car? He shouldn't have to pay for the gas. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. We'll remember that in the future. All right. If you ever steal a car, don't pay for the gas to fill it because it's not your car. So officers went to his address and searched for him. How'd they have his address? Um, I don't know all the details. Okay, this is a tidbit, not a story. He was nowhere to be seen until the officers noticed that the giant teddy bear in the living room appeared to be breathing. <laughs> And when oh, they, I saw this headline when, when I was looking for weird stories. When they opened it up, they found the teenager hiding inside the teddy bear. So in a statement on Facebook, the GMP said that Dobson had been stuffed behind bars. He is now stuffed behind bars after being sentenced last week for theft of a motor vehicle, driving while disqualified, and making off from a petrol station without payment. Hopefully, 
He has a bearable time inside. Oh my god. Yeah. Guys, don't hide in a fucking giant teddy bear. Or if you do, breathe quieter. Stop breathing. Yeah, just stop fucking breathing. Stop breathing. All right. Yeah. I have a little tidbit. Okay. Absolutely. Bring it. So Kate Harding, she was nine years old, and she was gardening with her mother. And she found a little round object, a flat round, like a coin shape object in the dirt. As a nine-year-old, she's not really interested in exactly what it is. It's just kind of cool. And she puts it away. Um, her mom soon passed away after that. And uh, she, you know, was a kid. So she didn't think about the coin. She put it away. Her mom's dead. And she goes on. And eventually, once she's grown up, 14 years later, she's looking at the coin and thinking about it. Maybe she found it again you know, rediscovered it and starts thinking about it. Now we have the internet and everything else. And she decides she kind of wants to know because, you know, the gardening thing was one of the last things she does with her mom. And she finds that coin and it reminds her of her mom. So she's curious now about this coin. So she decides to go to a museum. She takes it to a museum because she can't really find out a lot about it. And the people at the museum are very interested in it. And, uh, they explained to her that their belief is that it's not a true coin. It's something else. And it is called a Pied Fort. Or maybe it's Pied Fort. P-I-E-D-F-O-R-T. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it would be a Pied Fort. A Pied Fort. Okay. It's a Pied Fort. And it's um, not used for currency. It's not considered a coin, but it is a type of coin. But, like, they used it for official things. Like, um... They might use it for administrative tool to approve, um, to show that this person is approved to do something or to commemorate some big thing. Now, the thing is, they are super, super rare. There's only like four of them in the UK. So they tell her that she needs to go to a specialist and uh, find out more about this coin and find out what she needs to do with it. Mm. So they think that the coin is over 700 years old wow. and they believe based on what they saw that it turns out it's French and that it's tied to Charles the Fourth from France. They think that when he, he rose up to be on the throne in 1322 that this commemorated it. So, um... They think it's worth about $3,000. But for her, she, it's not about the money. She's not like, I want the $3,000 or I want more. She's like, no, this, my mom and I gardened together. My mom's dead. She died after this. I want this. It reminds me of her. So you would think this might be where the story ends. It's cool that she has this. It's rare. But uh, um, she just keeps it. She goes home. And all of a sudden, she starts getting phone calls and letters from these specialists in the museum. And she ignores them. She's not interested. I don't care what you have to say. Mm. I don't want to know what you have to say. No amount of money. So um, pretty soon, there's a knock at the door. And she answers it. And it's the police. And they arrest her. Uh-oh. Uh, 
That didn't go well. Yeah, apparently there's something called the Treasure Act of 1996. So according to this act, ancient objects that are over 300 years old, not categorized as coins, and remember they said even though it's kind of a coin, it's really not a coin because it's not used for money, that are made up of 10% or more rare metal, which this apparently was, must be reported within two weeks to these specialists. And they call them coroners, but I don't want to use that word because coroners to me mean dead bodies. So I'm just saying this coin specialist, whoever this is. And um, if you don't report these objects that you're in violation of the law and you'll be charged with criminal activity. So um, she's she's arrested by the police and she's prosecuted. And they're telling her she's facing three months of jail time if she doesn't do something right now. So she gets a lawyer and she says, I need some help. And he came to her defense. He says, look, she didn't report the coin for valid reasons. The museum didn't make it clear, A, that you have to report it. B, the process of reporting is actually quite a mess. And it doesn't allow for negotiation. She wants to be able to keep this coin. So, well, and um, if she had to find it within two or report it within two weeks of finding it, she was a child. Right. And that was the other thing is it two years within finding it. And that thing, like I said, was 1996. That's the year she found it. So then they're like, well, did she find it before or did she find it after? You know, this is kind of murky. So finally, Kate's allowed to pay $30 for her legal fees and get out of jail. So they tell her that she's gonna have to give up the coin. The court rules against her keeping it. They're like, we don't care. You have to turn the coin over. So she goes home and discovers that she unfortunately has lost the coin. Oh, darn. Yep. Hmm. What are you gonna do? You've said, no, I'm not gonna be prosecuted for it. I just have to turn the coin over, but I got home and can't remember where I put it. I thought I left it on the table. It's not on the table. Maybe it got bumped or knocked up. Maybe I accidentally put it in my coin purse and spent it. I don't know. It's gone. Sorry. So, but yeah, it was kind of really crappy. I mean, I understand that it's super rare and it means something to people who care, care about those things, but it's a sentimental thing to her. So whether or not she actually lost it or is just hanging on to it at this point they can't prove it they don't have the evidence to go into her house and force a search warrant or whatever to be like no we know you didn't lose it we're searching your house because it's not america where they can do things like that right well let's be real it's a it's a single coin the places that you could hide a single coin oh god yes yes but but still i mean really so basically, you know, don't go reporting that stuff if you uh, live over in the UK because apparently they'll take it from you. Wow. So, yeah. So there you go. So nice. Whether she lost it or not, she's out of jail. Well, good. All right. Ladies, are you ready for a story? Yep. Okay. Before the 1960s, people with intellectual disabilities were treated very poorly. 
In fact, saying they were treated very poorly might actually be an understatement. They were shunned, they were pushed aside, they were hidden from society, and they were ignored. They were sent away to live in institutions, treated as though they had no feelings, no thoughts, and no value to society. They weren't given the opportunity to go to school, to go out and play, to work, or to socialize. They were truly the forgotten. People who were considered to have intellectual disabilities could have been almost anything. From hearing disorders to Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, learning disabilities, Tourette's, muscular dystrophy, and more. Pretty much anything that made a person anything other than perfectly normal by society's standards. Thankfully, though, in the 1950s, there were several doctors who began to perform experiments that would change the world. Now, these were not the kind of experiments that we hear about in horrified voices as we tour the closed asylums. These experiments were on the effects of socialization and play for those who were considered to have intellectual disabilities. <clears throat> the results of those experiments led to the conclusion that socialization and play had a profoundly positive effect on the subjects, both in the classroom and in their lives in general. This wasn't just one experiment or one study, but many by different doctors. And those doctors began to come together to work together to get the word out and to make a difference. They weren't alone though. There were others in the world who were troubled by the treatment of those with intellectual disabilities. And one of those individuals was a woman by the name of Eunice Kennedy Shriver. Yeah, those Kennedys and those Shrivers. Wow. She had the power of the name and the power of their money behind her and she had influence and she used it. Okay. The world brought all of these people together, and in 1968, a woman named Ann Burke asked Eunice for her help in sponsoring a citywide track meet in Chicago for people with intellectual disabilities. Eunice encouraged Ann to think bigger. Eunice envisioned a multi-sport nationwide event. <clears throat> On July 20th, 1968, 1,000 athletes from the U.S. and Canada made their entrance onto Soldier Field in Chicago. They held flags and banners high along with their heads. This was a groundbreaking event and it would change the world. James, a 17-year-old young man, carried the torch and he lit the 45-foot flame that honored John F. Kennedy for championing research, education, and support for the disabled. This was the opening of the very first Special Olympic Games. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> now, most of us have heard of the Special Olympics, but how much do you really know? I will admit that I realized while researching this story that I actually know very little about the organization, very little about what they do, and nothing of substance. It's not something that I've ever actually given much thought to, the research that I did for this story really opened my eyes. There's so much information out there that I could probably do a three-hour episode on nothing but the Special Olympics. Seriously. The funny thing is that while this story is about the Special Olympics, it didn't actually start out that way, at least not directly. Seems like that happens a lot to us. Very much does. 
The Special Olympics are now a worldwide organization. They work hard to change the lives of those with intellectual disabilities through health, community building, sports, and education. They offer training and involvement in more than 30 sports, both individual and team, on an Olympic level. This isn't just for children, though, but for any age. And it is all made possible by grants, generous donations, and, of course, fundraising. In fact, fundraising is where this story started. But not just any fundraiser. Of course not. For any of you that have listened to us for a while, this will not even come as a surprise. This story originally began for me with the Chicago Duck Race. <laughs> of course. It <laughs> makes perfect sense how that Chicago Duck Race and Special Olympics go hand in hand. I can see all the 3,241 dots between the two. <laughs> now, every summer for the last 17 years, Chicago has been the host of a huge rubber duck race on the Chicago River. It is a fundraiser, and it is a fundraiser for the Special Olympics of Illinois. Dots connecting here? Yeah, they are. I don't know how I have never heard of this particular fundraising awesomeness so close to home. But I am super excited about it. It's the Duck Derby. The way that it works is that businesses and people, anyone who wants to, can take on a goal of how many ducks they want to try to sell. The Special Olympics provides all kinds of great materials to help those people and businesses achieve their goals. Now, ducks are sold for $5 each. That's really nothing. Anyone over the age of 18 can buy a duck. You can buy online, or if there are ducks left on the day of the race, you can buy them there at the race up to 30 minutes before the start time of the race. You can buy them as single ducks. You can buy a quack pack of six for $25. You can buy a flock of 24 for $100. Or you can buy a diamond duck pack of 100 for $1,000. It's all tax deductible, of course, because it's for charity. And you don't have to be present to win. <clears throat> now, businesses help to make this race possible by sponsoring the race and offering up prizes for the winners. There's more than one winner, of course. Employees of the businesses that sponsor the race are not eligible to win, which makes sense, of course. This year, the prizes included a brand new 2022 Chevy Equinox, two Caribbean cruises for two, $2,500 cash, and tickets to the Windy City Smokehouse, which I had to find out what it was. Ooh, yeah. That is a music concert that mm. features stars like Willie Nelson and Sam Hunt, and it's a multi-day event. Nice. The prizes change every year based on the donations and the sponsors. There have been times that the um, Chicago Blackhawks have offered up packages. I mean, it just depends. Now, one of the cool things for us ladies... I Heart Radio is a sponsor of that race, which is really neat because both of our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio and because Murder, Mischief, and Moscato is marketed by their podcast program, Spreaker Prime. So that's pretty cool for me. There is a family festival prior to the start of the race with all sorts of family-friendly activities, food, and music. The race began this year at the Columbus Drive Bridge. The start of the race is known as Splashdown. Splashdown. 
Okay. So how do they start it? Everybody lines up on the bridge and throws ducks over? No. No, that would be chaos. The ducks are brought to the bridge in a dump truck. Yeah, a dump truck. A real dump truck. Because this year, the ducks that were sold for the race totaled 75,005 ducks. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of rubber ducks. <clears throat> You're gonna need a bigger check. They actually sold out of ducks this year, the day before the race. Their goal was seventy five thousand. Good for them. The dump truck maneuvers to the edge of the bridge <clears throat> over the target area of the Chicago River, and then on the countdown, over the ducks go. There is a video, and it is amazing. I bet. Honestly, even before I knew that this was a fundraiser for the Special Olympics, I was thrilled. The river is equipped with floating channels, like long, long buoys, to help keep the ducks contained. Right. And off they go. <clears throat> I think that the race course is about a mile long, but I couldn't find anything that said specifically how long it is. The duration of the race depends on how long the ducks take to float down the river. It is against the official race rules to interfere with the ducks or attempt to free them in any way. The rules do state, however, that officials will use manual methods to move the ducks along if a duck jam occurs. Now, at the end of the course, the official race ambassador pulls the grand prize winner from the water and announces it, although the winners are also contacted by phone. This year for 2022, the race ambassador was Kyle Tucky. After the race, every single duck is removed from the river by officials and volunteers. The ducks are reused every year, so you don't get to keep the duck you buy. But you can buy souvenir ducks as well as t-shirts and pet bandanas online around race time. It is free to watch the race, both in person or online. Now in 2022, there was an art exhibit that was a part of the celebration. It was titled Ducks on the Mag Mile because this all takes place on Chicago's Magnificent Mile. The art exhibit was to celebrate the power of what people, business, and community can achieve when we promote a unified world for Special Olympic athletes. It was comprised of 25 unique duck sculptures that were designed by Chicago artists, and they were placed all along the Mag Mile from June through September. That's pretty cool. Right? <laughs> I was going to try to find out what happened to the ducks afterwards. Like, were they bought by businesses? Were they auctioned off? Did the artists get them back? But I didn't find out. Now, this is not the only duck derby. Just happens to be the biggest one super close to home. There are duck derbies literally all across the globe. All of them for charity. All sizes of duck derbies. Churches, schools, rotary clubs, and every other charity that you could probably ever think of has hosted a duck derby at some point in time. Some of them are small, 50 or 100 ducks. Some of them are huge, like the Chicago duck race. And some of them have been doing this for years and years. I found one that's been doing it for 31 years. And in case you were wondering, yes, there is a Guinness world record for it. In Hampton Court in the United Kingdom, the Great British Duck Race on September 9th of 2009 set the record with 205,000 ducks on the River Thames. 
The ducks sold for two pounds each, with the winner receiving 10,000 pounds and the rest of the money going to charity. But they used blue ducks because the year before when they'd done their duck derby, some unscrupulous cheaters had thrown yellow ducks in with the ducks on the river in an effort to win the race. Oh. I know, right? Now this Why would you cheat? That's just... For 10,000 pounds. I said unscrupulous. Uh, yeah. You're right. Now, this story has brought two things to my life. An even greater awareness of how little I actually know. Mm. And the knowledge that next August, I will be in Chicago. <laughs> there you go. There you are, ladies. The great Chicago duck race. I'm taking pictures, too. And... A little information about the Special Olympics. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Anything to add today, ladies? I don't. I got nothing. Well, in that case. That was cool, though. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. There was no way I couldn't skip doing it. Somebody sent to me the video of the duck getting dumped, and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I have people send me shit all the time and some of it it's like, this is going to make a really nice tidbit and then some of it is, you know, a simple thing like that and you go, oh, no, this one's going to be a story. Well, I get a lot of duck stuff. Oh, I'm sure Everybody <laughs> knows you like your ducks. Everybody knows how to like the ducks. Yes. Well, I will tell you ladies a little upcoming tidbit, okay? A little, little, a little glimpse of an upcoming story. I have a uh, friend who lives on the other side of the country who actually uh, works for Pepsi Company. Okay. I'm doing the origins of Mountain Dew, and I promise it's not what you think. Ooh. Ha! Yep. Not sure what they had to do with Ducks and Special Olympics. Um, p- people sending us stuff. Oh, okay. People sending us stuff. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. They send me stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies, if we have nothing else to add, have a great week, guys. We love you. Stay mischievous. Thanks for stopping by. Bye. 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 We here at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Hopefully you learned something unusual today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at tmsidntk, which are the initials for the title. Suggestions, ideas, comments, corrections, send them our way. We take them all. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast, leave us a rating and review. That lets us know how we're doing and helps others to find us. This podcast is hosted by a couple of sisters who research, write, and edit their own stories. All other editing and production is done by Mary Swartz, and the original artwork was created by Hannah Green.
Let me win. 